The following is from East Delta Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at www.eastdeltabc.com. Turn to Genesis chapter 21, if you would. And we're, uh, we're in life, uh, steps to living an abundant life. We're six weeks in this, and uh, seems like each week we go over this, and that's okay. It's uh, we repeat and repeat, and maybe we'll remember. Uh, the first thing I hope you remember is God has a plan for your life. If you're here today, if you're breathing air, God has a plan for your life. Whether you're lost or saved, if you've never accepted Christ as your personal Savior, the Bible says His plan is this, that none would perish, but that all would come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's the first plan for all of us. But once we've accepted Christ, He doesn't desire to put us on the shelf. He, he has a plan. We're, we're saved. He has a purpose. And Jeremiah 29, 11 tells us, God says, I know the plans I have for you. Plans to bring you prosperity and not disaster, and plans to bring about a future and a hope for you. That's God's plan for you. The second thing is uh, we've talked about is we're engaged in a battle. We're in a battle for our life and for uh, what God wants us to do and what he has for us. And the battle that we're engaged in is between, Ephesians 6 says it's between uh, powers and principalities of this world and Christ, and there's an ongoing battle there. And Jesus says in John 10, 10, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. And we talked about that last week, what that word abundantly means. And it, it means two different things. It's talking spiritually and it's talking materially. And God has come that we would have life abundant. And the third thing that we've talked about through this whole series is too many of God's people are losing the battle with marriages and children and finances and different things uh, that, that the, the steps to abundant life we're missing out on. And, and that's what I want us to talk about this morning. And we, as I said, we've looked at uh, the first five weeks, we looked at the first eight steps. So this morning we're going to be in step number nine. And uh, it's been said that persistence is like wrestling a gorilla. Uh, when you get tired, don't quit. When the gorilla gets tired, that's when you can start slowing down and quitting. So, so persistence is what we're going to talk about uh, this morning. And uh, I've been in several churches, and I've ministered in several churches, and I've seen a lot of spiritual battles in churches. And I'm talking about spiritual battles that that when God begins to move among His people, when God is moving. Uh, it, it, Satan gets angry about that, and, and as God moves, and not only in churches, but in the lives of individuals, and of course, the church is just a, a group of people made up with individuals. The closer someone seems to get to God as a family or an individual, it seems like that's when Satan really turns the heat up, so to speak. That's when the battle really gets intense, and that's why I said we need to be persistent. We, we don't need to, to, to quit and give up when things get tough, and, and that's what we're going to talk about. I've, uh, I've thought about giving up several times, you know, when things really get tough, but God will install or, or instill in those who are his a, a bulldog tenacity, something that, you know, an old bulldog, if he latches onto something, sometimes they're, they just hold on. And uh, you've read, and probably some of y'all may have hog hunted with dogs, and, and they, they take sticks sometimes and have to pry their mouth open off of a hog because they get locked onto something, and they're, they've got 
it. We have we have a little Boston Terrier, and and uh, he's he if he gets a toy, and you you can pick him up and and swing him around in the air, and he just holds on and glides out there. Probably ain't good on his teeth, but you know they're most of them are still in there. So that's kind of the 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 bulldog tenacity that God will give us as His children. Uh, and and with that thought, that begins step nine. And here's step nine, never quit. Now, we're talking about steps to building an abundant life. And, and the, that step is this, never quit. I, I think I've told you all this several times, but I was impressed. Back in about 1981 or 1980, uh, may have been 82, somewhere along those times, I, I went to the FFA convention in, in, uh, in Kansas City, Missouri, and uh, we heard a guy named Norman Vincent Peale speak, and I didn't know who he was. And uh, they said, this guy's going to speak. Well, uh, we're, we're all sitting there. There's, there's thousands of, of uh, FFA students there. And, and this old man comes up to the microphone, and we're kind of like, oh, this guy, you know. And, and I, he died in 93 at 98, so he was old. <laughs> he was still old then. Uh, he comes up to the microphone and, and with a real loud voice, he said, never give up. And he went and sat down <laughs> and we we're like, is that it? <laughs> you know, is that all? He said, is that all you're going to say? And, and, uh, it was just deathly quiet. Well, then he, he, he was a, the author of The Power of Positive Thinking. Maybe y'all have heard that. I'm not saying I agree with all of that book that, you know, you just believe it and it's going to happen. But the premise that he spoke of that day was talking to a bunch of students, and his, his idea was never give up. Whatever's thrown at you, never give up. Press on. And today, when we think about living an abundant life, and, and if we find ourselves not living the life that God wants for us, Come back to that thought and, and never give up, never quit, never, never slow. And, and if you are in Genesis chapter 21, I want you to look at a, at a story this morning. I want you to see some things that, that's kind of happening here in Genesis chapter 21. We're going to start in verse 14. I don't know what I just said, but we're going to be in Genesis 21 starting in 14. Early the next morning, Abraham took some food and a skin of water and gave them to Hagar. We don't have time to explain all of this, who this is, but... Of course, Sarah was going to have the promised son, and uh, if you remember, Sarah and Abraham got ahead of God, and he ended up having a son with Hagar. So this is who they're talking about, uh, and he's having to send, send Hagar and Ishmael away because of the circumstances that's after the birth of Isaac. But anyway, in verse 14, the next morning, Abraham took some food and a skin of water and gave them to Hagar. He sent them, set them on her shoulders, and he sent her off with the boy. And she went on her way and wandered in the desert of Beersheba. And when the water in the skin was gone, she put the boy under one of the bushes. Then she went off and sat down nearby, about a brow shot away, for she thought, I cannot watch the boy die. And as she sat there nearby, she began to sob. And the boy heard the boy cry, and God heard the boy crying, and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to him, What's the matter, Hagar? Do not be afraid. God has heard the boy crying as he lies there. Lift up the boy and take him by the hand, for I will make him a great nation. Then God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water. 
So she went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. Now, we could go on and read the rest of that story, but the thing I want us to, to get out of this morning is think about where Hagar is. Abraham has, has provided her needs for a, a time as she goes out, and, and uh, God has promised to make her son a great nation, and I'd love to talk about that this morning and kind of where that is still today. But I want you to notice this in the story. What happened to Hagar? She's, she's wandering around. Things are not the way she thought they were going to be. Things are not going the way she thought they are to go. So she places her child under a bush. She walks, she walks a little distance away just where she can still see him over there. And, and she sits down and gives up. But, but what I want you to notice is there's a well there. Did y'all catch that? That she, she was inside of a well, that, that well that she needed. She went and fished, so God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water. It doesn't say God created it and just dug a well there. The well was there. Matter of fact, that, that Beersheba means the well of the, the well of the covenant. So, so the well of the covenant was already there. It was already present. But sometimes, folks, when we give up, and when we look around at our circumstances, we miss the point that God has made a way. And I think that's important for us to understand. That's why we never give up. Because when we sit under the bush and we lower our heads and we begin to cry, we miss out that God says, hey, look, I've provided for you. I've provided a well for you, Hagar, and it's right here within sight. And, and I think that's a great hint for us today is, is that next step is never give up. Now, with that, there's some good news and there's some tougher news. Here's one thing, accept adversity as a given. That's, that's not great news, but you know what? It's the truth. There's going to be some times that, that we're going to have adversity in our life, and, and that's just a part of living. But listen to what Jesus said. This is the good news, John 16, In this world, you're going to have tribulation. Jesus told us the truth. We're going to have some tough times, but take courage For I have overcome the world. As one of Christ's followers, we need to realize Jesus says, yeah, you're going to have some tough times, but but hey, take courage because I've overcame the world. I've overcame them problems. We need to stop rolling over when things get tough and playing dead. When things get tough, we we, we sometimes just want to give up like Hagar did. Y'all know, who knows who Lynn Anderson is? She don't live in Charleston, if you're trying to think about that. But, But Lynn Anderson... What song did she write? Does anybody just, does any song jump out at your mind from Lynn Anderson? I beg your pardon. I never promised you a rose garden. There, yeah, I could probably, I could probably sing it all, but, but listen, God didn't promise us a rose garden. Sometimes preachers are guilty of sometimes saying, you know, if you'll come to Christ, your problems will be gone. That's just not true. What did Jesus say? We're going to have tribulation. We're going to have trials. We're going to have troubles. I never promised you a rose garden, but listen, I promised you the ability to overcome because through Christ we can overcome the world. So when we have those tough times, never quit, never give up, and accept adversity as a given. And you know what you can tell My boss does this a lot. He'll say, I have an opportunity for you. Does anybody ever hear that? You know, you have something tough comes up or, or you're having to deal with a situation. And, and he says, well, here's, he calls me Mr. Vaughn. And, and, uh, and he calls me Jake too, but he'll say, Mr. Vaughn, 
I have an opportunity for you. And I always say, oh, great. What is it? You know, because it's never good. But he's saying there's, there's a problem that you're going to have to deal with. And it's an opportunity. And when we have adversity, instead of just saying, you know what, I'm going to roll over and forget about it. View it like an opportunity or, or hear something crazy. View it like an adventure and learn to thrive in the midst of, of adversity. Realize, hey, I'm going to have adversity, and, and I'm strong in adversity because Christ has overcome the world. So, so whatever the world's throwing at me, really, really remember, hey, I can overcome this because Christ has overcome the world, and, and this is an opportunity, and this is an adventure for me to learn. Jesus said in Matthew, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Are you weary? Are you heavy laden? Tell it to Jesus. Tell it to Jesus. He is a friend. And that's what we just sang a while ago. So, so accept adversity as a given. This is how do we live an abundant life. That's the first thing. Never quit and accept adversity. Now, the other thing is this. We have to stop running from our problems. You ever done that? You ever just decide you'd just run from a problem? And, and for many of us, we've set up that pattern in our lives. In other words, when things get tough... From an early age, we just learned, hey, I'm just going to run from this. I'm just going to forget it. I'm going to turn my back. We always say like an ostrich sticks his head in the sand. And have y'all seen that commercial on TV that says ostriches don't stick their head in the sand? I don't know if I believe that. I've been told all my life they stick their head in the sand. So I'm just going to believe they stick their head in the sand. But, but that's what it's saying. We, we don't run from our problems. We need to confront them. And folks, we're thinking about an abundant life. And, and what happens when we run from our problems? They don't go away, do they? We may get them behind us. We may race far enough away from them that we're not dealing with them. But, but sure enough, one day you're going to be walking along. And before you know it, that problem is going to be back up with you. That can be with children, with your spouse, with relationships, at jobs, with people you work with. Anytime we don't deal with something, it's going to rear its head again. So why not do what old Barney Fife said, nip it in the bud. Just while you've got it right there, if we just handle those things and handle those problems and take care of those problems and don't run from those problems, we're going to have an abundant life. Because if that problem is still in our back of our minds and we're still thinking, you know what, that's a problem. It's going to come back. It's going to come back. If we'll just take care of those things, we're going to be on taking steps toward living abundant life that God wants us to have. You know what Goliath done? You remember Goliath? We're not going to look this up. But David and Goliath was out there and, and Goliath just kept coming out. And the Bible says that he was coming out against God's army. And he kept on persistently, persistently, persistently dealing with it till, till he said, all right, somebody's going to deal with me. Well, it didn't turn out the way Goliath wanted it to, did it? Because David said, I'm a, I'll deal with Goliath. But, but what was David doing? He's saying, we got, uh, Goliath was saying, I've got a problem and I'm going to deal with it. Now, Goliath was the enemy, of course, but I think there's some lessons there. We can't simply run from our problems. That's what all of Israel was doing. As they looked at Goliath, they was running from the problem. And David said, wait a minute, my God's bigger than Goliath, and, and I'm going to go and I'm going to confront the problem, whatever it may be. So for us to have that abundant life, I think that's the next step. We're never going to quit that step nine. Now, these are points under that. Accept adversity, adversity as a given. Stop running from our problems. No matter how big our problem is, God is bigger. Here's the third thing. We have to fight for our life. 
You know, we talked about Ephesians chapter 6, and if you wanted to turn over to Ephesians 6 and read that whole passage about putting on the full armor of God, that tells us that we're in a battle. But listen to what it says in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10. Finally, my brothers, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. And then down in verse 13 it says, Therefore take up to yourselves the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand... In the day of evil. What the Lord is preparing us for is He's preparing us for battle. And, and for us to say, I want to live an abundant life, we need to realize there's going to be battles. There's going to be life battles. There's going to be situations that we have to deal with. And God says, I've armored you to take care of that. I've, I've given you the armor that you can face the battle. I told this story with my youth group, and I, I, made, a, I made a T-shirt that said, Don't Fight Naked. And I had a little Ziggy guy on there that was, that was, was nothing but a, a, an outline of a person. And, and you, I got more flack over that. I can't believe you put a naked man on your, our youth T-shirt. I said, he's just a figure. He don't even have any parts. You know, he's just a... He's, well, I can't believe you did that. I said, well, you had to hear the Bible study to understand. But when I was a, I was a collector and I was down in the uh, Mesquite area and, and uh, we had a reseal... And that simply means somebody cut their seal off the meter. And, and our company gave, uh, they provided me with a hard hat and gloves and tools. And, and uh, they provided me with dog spray. Y'all know what that is? It's some kind of, I'll tell you this, if you try to spray a German Shepherd when you're driving just to see what it'll do and it blows back in your face, you can't see while you're driving, you know, because so, I tried that one time. But, but uh, I, all this was was a reseal. And they lived a driveway about, about 50 or 75 yards long, and, and I thought, I don't need any of that stuff. I even had a dog stick, I called it, that was real good for, for cheering dogs up when they got after you. But, but I, I, I said, I don't need any of that stuff. So, so I got out, and I walked all the way down to this house, and it was a trailer house, and I took the cover off, and I looked, and everything looked good, and I sealed it. But when you sealed it, I hit the front of the meter base, Sealed it. When I did that, I heard some dogs barking. It's like, oh, great, there's dogs here. So I start back, and I'm looking. Three of them look like a dog race. They come around the corner, you know, and here they come. And, and uh, I turned around, and there's a broomstick about that long, and I, I got squared off, and I'm ready for that first one. Well, I hit him right across the nose, and that stick broke about that far out of my hand. <laughs> Well, the other two began to bite me on the legs <laughs> and on the front of the legs and all over the legs. And uh, I started trying to climb the fence, and one of them jumped up and pulled me off the fence. Now, this is all true. My legs looked bad, didn't they, Denise? They were black from about here down with about 70 or 80 stitches from about here down. And I tell all that to say this. I was in a battle. I was in a battle. I, I felt like I was in a battle for my life. And, and I finally got out of there, and, and when I started talking about this, everybody said, well, where was all your stuff at? And I said, well, I, I didn't carry any of it. I mean, I went to the battle naked. <laughs> I went to the battle unarmed. I went to the battle, but I wasn't prepared for a battle because I thought, you know what? There's not going to be nothing to this. It's just an everyday thing. And Christ says this, stand firm and put on the armor of God because, folks, we're in a battle. And if we're going to have an abundant life, 
We need to realize that there's a, a battle going and the thief has come to steal, to kill, and destroy. And God says, I've come that you'd have an abundant life, but we need to prepare ourselves for an abundant life. And the way we do that is, is we can't quit. We can't give up. We can't simply say, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop this. There's going to be adversity and we can't run from that. We need to stop and we need to address those things. And we need to realize we're in a battle today. And God says, I want you to have an abundant life. But listen, it becomes part of our responsibility to be in the battle and to be preparing and to be facing adversity and be dealing with those things, not simply to go in our closet or sit down under a bush and start crying and say, well, God, I wanted abundant life, but you didn't give it to me. It takes some effort on our part. If, if you want to have an abundant life, it's going to be something you need to be willing to fight for. If, if you want to have an abundant marriage, you're going to have to fight for it. You're going to have to go and, and, and you're going to have to put some action in it. And it's going to take some time and it's going to take some energy and it's going to take some love and, and it's going to take something on your part. But what do we do today in America? Too many people, when the, when the times get tough in marriage, it's just easier to bail out. And, and, and that's not an abundant life that God wants to have. If, if you want your children to have abundance, you've got to fight for them. You've got to love them. You've got to invest time in them. You've got to invest energy in them. You've got to, you've got to have some prayer time invested in your children. We can't just cry and fall back and say, well, things just didn't work out. It takes effort on our part. That's what God wants for us, that we would have an abundant life. And here's the last thing this morning. Live within the power of God that you can win. Listen, 1 John 4, chapter 2. 1 John chapter 4, verse 2. You are from God, little children, and have overcome them because greater is he who's living in you than he who is living in the world. Do you hear that? In Christ, we have power. And Christ says, greater is he Christ living in us than the ones living in this world. You know who the owner of this world is? You know who the prince of this world is? The Bible says it's Satan. He's the prince of this world. And Christ says, I'm living in you and I'm greater than the prince of this world. So wherever we are, we need to live in the power of God. As we face problems, as we, if we understand adversity is coming and we deal with those things as we go through life, as we put our energy and our talents and our time into investing in having abundant life, God says this, greater is he, greater am I living you than the one living in this world. Let's pray together. Father, this morning as we think about the greatness that you desire for us, Father. Lord, I don't come just all sunshine and say that there's not going to be some thorns in our rose garden, but Father, I know that you are greater than one that's in this world. Father, I thank you today that when we think about having an abundant life, you tell us don't give up. When things get tough, there's going to be tough times. There's going to be days that we just want to put our hands in our head and just sit under the bush. But Father, I pray that we'd remember don't give up. Because, Father, you're with us. If we're heavy burdened down with sin, with whatever problem, Father, you tell us to come and cast them upon you. For your burden is light and your yoke is easy. Father, I pray that we'd just prepare ourselves for the battle, realizing that there's going to be adversity. But, Father, that, that you've overcome this world and in you we can overcome Father, I pray that we'd learn just to deal with those problems and those issues. We wouldn't simply sweep them under the rug or run from them, but, Father, we'd deal with those things in the power that you've given us with love and grace that you've given us. 
Father, I pray that we'd prepare for the battle with the full armor of God, and I pray, Lord, that we would learn to live each day in the power of God. Father, this morning, as we just uh, think about an abundant life that you desire for us, Lord, I pray that we'd find peace in you, that we'd find joy in you. And Father, now I pray that your spirit would move within our hearts, that we would just commit our way to you. Father, that we might find the truth, the joy in life, and the abundance in living that you desire for us. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.